0: Welcome to Game On, the weekly football podcast, bringing together seasoned professionals, the male star football writers, and a celebrity fan or two. I'm your host, Mark Pugac. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple, and Google. And if you haven't already, why not sign up for the daily Mail Plus briefing at mailplus.co.uk, where you can also watch Game On on video. Hello, I'm Mark Pugac and welcome to Game On. What a week in the title race with Liverpool beaten at home for the first time in nearly four years and the other three front runners all win. But Manchester City, were they a little bit lucky? The Premier League say the laws were followed with their controversial goal, but what about the law then? Well, joining us to discuss all this, World Cup winner Frank Le who starred for Chelsea, Tony Cotty, the former Leicester, West Ham and England striker and the Daily Mail's chief sports writer, Martin Sandler. Hello, everybody. Good to see everyone looking so well. Frank, a very warm welcome to you as well. Thank you for joining our little gang. And let me start with you. Big story, of course, in England is Liverpool's form. They haven't scored a goal in the league this year. Their form has fallen off a cliff. What do you think is going on at Anfield?
1: Uh, Well, it's a real concern because um, they have a fantastic team and they proved it the past two years, you know, where they won the Champions League and the uh, Premier League. Uh, but something can happen, and we are in the middle of a pandemic where all players uh, have excuses about uh, their form and their fitnesses, and uh, and it's what was going on right now. Really, we can see in all around Europe, you know, big clubs struggling, uh, and and I think the level of uh, our football uh, dropped dramatically because of that pandemic and the fact that uh, some teams who were belonging to the uh, the final eight. Have our time to get back to their fitness and uh, and the level they were, they used to be, so it's maybe what's going on. You know, Liverpool study well. There are lots of injuries. They have no defense. Uh, we thought that would be the main concern, but right now it's mostly the the, the three at, at front. Uh, but uh, but they lost many people. The COVID didn't help. Uh, uh, all the, those clubs would try to 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 get back at the top. We saw we saw City struggling at the beginning of the season and getting they're the best right now and it's why I think they're going to be my contender for the for the season mm-hmm. but uh, I think S- Sadio Mane, uh, talked to a friend of mine in France saying that they had a very hard uh, I don't know when but they had a very hard pre-season uh, preparation and and then club said that sometimes they're going to get back to their fitness and and the best Hopefully for them and for the Reds, it's going to happen very soon because they, they have to catch up now uh, and uh, and it's not possible to see Liverpool at that level.
0: Yeah. I mean, Tony, it could be a, any number of things. As Frank says, Klopp drives his players very hard. We know that in terms of the high-pressing game, the, the Gengen pressing. We're living in a, in a strange world. Everybody's been out of form. And the injuries, it's not so much defensive necessarily as the knock-on effect. The midfield's been weakened because... Fabinho and Henderson have had to play at the back and the, the attackers have completely lost their form. What do you think it is? Because it could be a mixture of all of those.
2: I think it is a mixture of all of those, Mark, to be honest with you. Frank made some good points and you know, Liverpool have been so consistent, haven't they? The last two years, you would say, they've been probably the most consistent team in English football. Um, and there'll always come a time where you're going to hit problems you know, individually and as a team. Um, I think another factor also is not that I was ever in this position, but I think Liverpool waited so long to win the league and players in the game, it doesn't apply to me, it definitely applies to Frank, but I think that second season or the second attempt to try and follow up and win the league again or win the cup again or win the World Cup again, whatever it might be, I think that's almost harder than what it is to achieve that first one because you've set the standards so high. I mean, I watched the game last night. Liverpool were awful. Absolutely mm. awful. We know what Burnley are about. Very well organised, you know, strong team. Was always going to, I fancied it to be a draw, but I didn't see the, the defeat coming. And they've got a nice, easy game coming up at the weekend to put it right in the FA Cup as well, haven't they? So um, it's a big test, Mark, for Jurgen Klopp. Ever since he's been there, everything's been going that way. And now he's going that way. It's a big, big test for Jurgen Klopp. It'd be interesting to see how he handles it. Mm. Having a row with Sean Dice down the tunnel at half time is no. some things.
0: No, we, Martin, we leap on that, don't we, as a sign that he's rattled Jürgen Klopp. The fact that he did have such a route, I mean, he really did have a proper Barney with, with mm. Sean Dyche at half-time. What, what's, your, uh, what's your thoughts on what's going on?
3: Well, Jürgen's never been mistaken for a way of sunshine when he's losing, to be fair. I mean, you know, Jürgen's, Jürgen's personality after the game, oh, he got a big smile and all of this. You've got to remember, they've barely lost a match in, 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 in two years. I mean, last season was phenomenal. Uh, and even the season before, they miss out on the title by by the, the smallest of margins. Having got an incredible winning run, it was just that City matched it and went a tiny bit better. So he, he, barely, he hasn't lost many um, in the last couple of years at Liverpool. And everyone's got this sort of impression that he's this happy-go-lucky guy, which he is plainly not, because if you see his demeanor on the touchline... Um, you know, he's a very intense person around those matches, and now it's not going too well. That's the side of him you're seeing a lot more than than before. I don't think I think that's always been there, but it's a lot easier to keep smiling when you've just put three past somebody than it is when you're when you're struggling to beat Burnley and the intensity that he brings to that team. It, it's it's got to be a factor because. To maintain it, it's not just last season. It was the season before as well, that, that winning one at the end of that season. you it, it can't last forever. Nothing lasts forever. There's got to be a point where no matter how much energy that team ex, expounds um, and they go to Qatar and they win the Club World Cup and, and, and they won the European Cup, uh, the Champions League, the season before last. And, or despite all of that, there's got to be a point at which you should, they, they can't, you know, push themselves any further. And maybe that's what they're reaching now. It's a weird season um, because it comes, you know, that all the dates are wrong, all of your recovery times are wrong, everything about it is wrong. And that's got to have an effect. That's, that, that, that has got to physically, we, we can pretend that, that you know, what was, the, what was the Nike slogan, impossible is nothing. Well, that's just not true, is it? Impossible is something you know, as plenty of athlete, Nike athletes have found when they've been unable to complete marathons and when, you know, when they've lost races and when they you know, impossible is something. And it is impossible, perhaps, to play with the intensity that Liverpool have played for two and a half seasons now and not suffer at some stage a, a blip. And we don't know that it, it could be more than a blip, but it could just be... A bad month, and then we could, be, you know, we could be talking this time next month and going, "Well, oh, Liverpool are top of the league and most in, in most wonderful form." But I, I, I'm not surprised, shall we say? I'm not surprised that it, it comes to an end.
0: Frank, right. can you give us a, a back in your memory vault of your time with France? You win the World Cup in '98, you win the Euros in 2000, you go to to Korea and Japan in 2002 as the holders. And you don't score a goal and you get knocked out of the group stage. It, we're trying to draw an analogy, a parallel with what's going on with Liverpool now, when you've won so much and you just come off the top just a tiny little bit. Do you recognise in Liverpool maybe now what you had with that French team? You're right.
1: It's a very good analogy because uh, we, uh, we went through a very hard time in Korea where... I have to say the season was very hard. We played a lot, uh, comparing for comparing for example with the Senegalese who played maybe half of the game for half of most of the team, but uh, most of the players, sorry. But uh, uh, I think we were blasé. I said it in the, the beginning of the season where I put Liverpool third and I put Manchester City first and I, well, you know, put Chelsea second.
3: <laughs>
1: uh, but but the thing is, is uh, it's a normal process, you know. And and Martin just say just just explained it very well. That uh, you know, when you physically de- from your players, uh, you you have at some point uh, the right to see them going, you know, down and 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 struggling with the with their, uh, the, the physical aspect of the game. Uh, they have to run like crazy. And don't forget that in the middle of the park, you lost so many people because you have to put them at the center halves, you know? half. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Anderson, uh, Fabinho play at center half where they, couldn't, they would be so uh, um, useful in the middle of the park. So it happened the same thing to us. Well, we were completely tossed We have to say the truth. You know, we wanted to mm-hmm. keep on going and maybe win a, a second uh, World Cup. But we were looking at each other in, in each, uh, on our each eyes, you know, and we knew that we were going through a hard time. So we can find excuses, you know, playing a, a game against Korea five days before the beginning of the World Cup. But the reality of it is we were very tired. We played against Belgium uh, just uh, like three weeks before the World Cup and we lost at the Stade de France. We were awful. And it was, it was um, our time passed, in the in way, though, so maybe that's the, the lesson for. And I said that to Didier Deschamps. <clears throat> make sure that because you want the World Cup in 2018, you don't keep the same players because maybe you not yeah. you won't be able to do the same. And that's maybe a lesson for you can club. Maybe thinking of getting rid of getting rid of very good players, but maybe players were already tested.
0: That's interesting, isn't it? Just that sort of regeneration of a team. Um, let's talk about Manchester City, Tony, and the charges on. And we're going to have a very interesting debate with a striker and a centre-half here and the goal for Bernardo Silva the other day, which I think anybody would say morally was ludicrous. But within the letter of the law, it was perfectly legitimate because Ming's playing the ball, consciously playing the ball, has played Rodri side. The move develops and Bernardo Silva scores. I think a lot of people are interested that a lot of the Aston Villa players and manager didn't know the law. But when you look at it, would you accept that the law is an ass, Tony Cotty?
2: Um, I'm coming out of retirement, Mark, because I, I think <laughs> as, as a lazy centre forward that I was, yeah. I, I could just stand in the six-yard box and and not even worry about offside rules. And then if I if I fancy it, I'll come back. I can challenge Frank Le you know, put him off his game and yeah. then go, we go and score a goal. Um The problem I've got with it, Mark, being serious, I think when I played, and I know we're going back a few years, but it was black, black or white. You you was offside or you wasn't offside. There was no, you might be offside if this happens or that happens, and that's the problem that we've got. I mean, he, you know, Rodri got an unfair advantage by being twenty yards offside. You know, if he hadn't been twenty yards offside, he could never have got to the position to challenge Tyrone Mings. So. That's that's got to be wrong, I think. You know, I understand the second phase of play and as soon as soon as he chests the ball down, then it becomes a different phase. I understand that, but I do think it's too complicated. I think the good old days where you played against Wimbledon or Arsenal and when the ball was cleared by the defenders, they all pushed up towards the halfway line and if you didn't run back with them, you was offside. Mm-hmm. And you know, and I know we want to favour the forwards and we want to see more goals, I understand that, but I do think it's it technically yeah. it's too complicated. You know, the fans don't understand it. The players don't understand it. And a lot of the time, I don't mean the referee and the assistant. The, don't
3: don't. the referees don't understand it. Peter no. Walton is 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 the BT expert. Now, he's there for one job, which is the rules of the game. Now, that, that's his only job. He's not there to tell you, you know, what Jurgen Klopp's got wrong or, or you know, what Pep Wido is getting right. He is just there to say, well, these are the rules. He didn't know the rules.
2: Exactly. He about, said it was offside.
3: He said he, oh, well, that's all, you know. he's clearly offside. Everyone said it. I was, at, I was at Fulham and I was just following it on a, on a text feed. Um, I think it was Clinton Morrison or whatever was doing the BBC Radio 5 or, or whatever. He said it was offside. It, it came up, Man City have scored. And the next thing you saw was a quote from Clinton Morrison saying, this is going to be disallowed for offside. So the referees don't understand it. The players don't understand it. The manager, Dean Smith, manages to get himself sent off because he didn't yep. understand it. Dean Smith's been in football since 1989. That is not Dean Smith's fault that they have messed with the rules to such an extent that people who have been in the game for 35, 30, nearly now 35 years. Don't understand Mm. the rules. It's ridiculous to be a. But the whole
2: offside rule is a sham anyway. Oh, totally. How can your shoulder be offside and they're drawing lines? It is about a centimetre. It's it's crazy with the VAR. What what happened on the set? What
0: happened on the same night, Frank, in Italy was Ronaldo did the identical thing and was given offside. Mm. So so you're the centre-half, Tony's the centre-forward. You know that Tony's behind you and offside, but your instinct is not to let the ball go through to Tony, safe in the knowledge that the flags go up. Your instinct will be to play the ball because that's what you've been trained to do. But the minute you do, Tony appears from your blind spot, nips the ball off you, is clean through. I mean, it seems ludicrous, doesn't
1: it? It is, it is complicated well italian referees have to know the rules i think is what yeah. it is you know for for the for the ex- italian example and uh, of course i would have played the ball like Minx did yeah. because because that's not natural because you want to defend your your side and you you feel that there is somebody even if he's offside is behind you and you don't know what's going on and you don't yeah. you don't have the book you know, don't have the time to open the book and read the no. the, the article <laughs> about the offside you know mm-hmm. and what's going on in that kind of situation I have maybe an idea about that kind of uh, um, momentum in, in a way that maybe the players with offside shouldn't be the, the the first player to touch the ball from the opponent you know what mm. i mean so when Min yeah. the ball, he shouldn't be allowed to touch the ball if some if it's one of his teammates touches the ball then he's back to the game it happened you know in 2000 we we, we scored a goal uh, with victor being offside and, but, be, but because we got the ball back and he didn't touch the ball, he went into the uh, he went back to the game and scored the goal from across from from uh, Thierry Henry, I think it was. But he didn't touch the ball, so he wasn't the French player, the first French, French player to touch the ball. I think if uh, another Man City players would have touched the ball, you know, it, it would have been the right for for yeah. for for the be mm. offside anymore. But it couldn't, it cannot be like Ronaldo did in that situation too. He couldn't be. He cannot be the first player to touch the ball back and put himself back to the game. Yeah, yeah. That's my main concern. Yeah. And yeah. we know, we know the lazy uh, centre forward, you know. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> and and that that's that's an advantage which which is in fact an unfair advantage. So I don't have yeah. problem with Tony staying twenty yards away behind me. But don't touch the ball first, you know, wait for yeah. your teammates to, to do the effort. <laughs>
3: the, other th- the other thing is with, with, with the offside rule and, and how it's become complicated. And As, as Tony said, you're now looking at millimetres and, in, you know, centimetres of, oh, is his armpit offside? Is this offside? When those rules were made, when the, the, the people sat down and wrote the rules of offside, do you think they ever envisaged that you would be able to judge an offside? as precisely as it is now. Those rules are not written for the, for the present no. time. If you were to actually look at the principle with, in which the offside rules, rules were written, it was meant to be stuff you could see with the naked eye. That's the, you know it, yeah. it's, it's like golf. The idea that when you address the ball in, in the rough, if, if the ball suddenly turns by the minutest margin, by a dimple, that counts as a shot. Well, now you can identify that because some guy can be sitting at home and he can freeze frame and he can he can go click, 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 click. And he can see that when the man addresses the ball, the the ball moves. And you can't see it with a naked eye, but you can see it digitally. And golf very sensibly went like, well, this idea where people phone in um, thoughts, um, having identified them on the television, we're not going to accept that anymore because the that it goes against the principle mm-hmm. of the rule, which is that it was written at a time when none of this existed. And it was meant to be things you could identify with naked eye. Yeah. And it was meant to be common sense.
0: And um, it was meant to be an unfair advantage. Principle. Tony is trying to get an unfair advantage. Principle. Yeah, yeah. Unfair we're,
3: advantage.
2: We're, we're, when yeah. has common sense ever come into football? I mean, surely yeah. the most common sense thing to do would be mm-hmm. to speak to the players Speak Mm. to the managers, speak to the coaches, speak to the referees, speak to the people in football and Mm. try and get a rule that everyone's happy with rather than make up these rules as they go along that no one's, Mm. no one understands and no Mm. one's happy with. Well, Frank
0: can speak to Arsene Wenger, he's in charge of this now, isn't he? Frank, get on the phone to Arsene. Uh, I'm
1: I'm gonna, I'm gonna, but don't forget that English, you know, created football and golf, Mm. it's why we don't understand it. We don't understand it, we created it. we don't understand it. It's too complicated, you know, (laughs) that's right.
3: Okay. Like a we don't understand
1: anymore. And I'm sure our sure son <laughs> doesn't understand either. No.
3: <laughs> to be to be,
0: abs- to be absolutely exact, before Steve Clark gets on the phone to you, probably the Scots invented the gold Frank. Otherwise, Steve Clark yeah. will be on the phone to you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah true, true. That's
1: true. That's true. Um, I have
0: to uh, let's careful. talk about something you've written in the paper today, which has been going on for a long time, Martin, which is this gentleman's agreement. Whereby Robert yeah. Snodgrass did not play against West Ham for West Brom the other day, and Frank uh, and um, Sam Allardyce I said it before the game, and then after the game, backtrack quicker yeah. than uh, mm. than a centre half rushing towards his own goal line. Well, no, 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 that didn't actually happen because that's against the regulations, is it not?
3: Yeah, well, it is, and 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 but they don't care about the regulations. <laughs> I mean, I'm not talking about <laughs> the people who do the. I'm talking about the the, the the people whose regulations they are. This has been going on since, uh, well, it's been going on for a long time, but say 2007. In, in 2007, there were two, and this was the time that, that the Tevez Mascherano thing was happening and, and everything. So, third-party um, interference was a big thing in 2007, apart from Manchester United uh, sold Tim Howard to Everton and then had an arrangement where he wouldn't play against them. Um uh, that was the condition of, of of the deal going through. It was a, a loan deal and they made it permanent. Everton wanted to make it permanent. So, Tim Howard didn't play against Manchester United. The guy called Ian Turner played. Uh, Everton were 2-0 up. Um, Ian Turner was at fault for the first goal, uh, probably at fault for the second goal. Manchester United brought Cristiano Ronaldo off the bench. They won it 4-2. That match is hugely important in the title race because if Manchester United lose... They are level on points for Chelsea with three games to go. And they did nothing about that. And so fast forward, what are we now? Fast forward, 14 years, and it's still going on. Where West Ham sold Snodgrass to West Brom, but said you can't play them against us. Now, you can't sell something and keep it. it, it, it's, it it's not right. But this is, the, this is the very murky end of the loan system, basically, where you do sell something and keep it. And, um, and it's wrong. And it's wrong, but it wasn't discussed at the Premier League shareholders meeting yesterday. No interest in any of the other owners in this at all, probably because they all want to do it themselves. Mm. And the Premier League have already said it would be a written warning, it will be this. The onus is on West Brom, actually. So the onus is probably on West Brom not to agree to it. You know, you can ask for anything um, in West Ham's position. But, the-
2: but West Ham wouldn't have sold him then, though, Mark, would they? Exactly. Exactly. To- after the game,
3: so which is what should have happened, Tony. Yeah, so you so you can't, you know, that and in the same mm. way with the Tim Howard transfer, Tim Howard would just have stayed on loan and he then wouldn't have played against Manchester United. But yeah. that's fact, what should happen, that's the proper mm. aspect of it. If you don't want him playing against you, don't sell him. Simple as that. Mm. That's
1: yeah. what that's what it is. I think that I, I, I don't understand that gentleman agreement. If you put on mm. loan somebody, uh, and put on loan, uh, you know, and they saw Chelsea. Mm. Uh, you know, saying that uh, Lofthouse couldn't play against uh, them when they when they play against Fulham a week ago. Yeah, I don't understand that. You are ready to put somebody on loan because you think he's not good enough to play for your team. So why do you think he's a, he's a threat? If you think he's a threat, you should have kept him to, to your own squad. Yeah. That's my main concern. I don't understand the meaning of it. You know, and why they they, they have the right to put a gentleman agreement? You he can play for another team. Let him play. Mm. Well, they know I, it's I, I
2: illegal. Just talk, I, sorry, mate, I was just talking about black and white with the offside rule. I think mm. this needs to be black or white. You know, you need, it needs to be clarified. It needs to be in the rules. And if, if West Ham and West Brom have done what they've done, if that's not in the rules, then they, they need to, in future, charge clubs with it. This this has been going on, Martin, you're old enough to remember the yeah. 70s, the 80s, yeah. before the transfer window came in in 2001, I think I'm right in saying. Yeah. Before that, you could buy a player any time up to sort of the six weeks before the end of the season, yeah. at which point you could buy a player in, say, February, and the following Saturday you could be playing against the team that you bought him from, but they would have the agreement, oh yeah, you can have him, but he can't play, and that, this has been going on for forty oh God, years.
3: There was another one at the same time in 2007 with Steve Caber, Sheffield United and Watford did exactly the same thing. My favourite one is a guy called Matthew Spring who is taken out of a a match by a club that doesn't actually even own, It doesn't even even actually have his contract. He's a Luton player on loan to Sheffield United, can't get a game at Sheffield United. Luton can get a permanent deal with uh, Charlton for him. So they want to sell him to Charlton. But Charlton are playing Sheffield United in the Cup. Yeah. So Sheffield United said, well, we'll release him to go back to you so you can sell him to Charlton on the conditions that he doesn't play against us in the Cup. Yeah. So Sheffield United don't own the player. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> and they're still but making this.
3: But, but, but actually managed to <laughs> take him out of Charlton's team <laughs> yeah. in the Cup. That was in 2009. Yeah. I mean, it, it's... it's. But the there's, the no, there's
0: no willing to do anything about this, Martin. No. That's what you're saying, no, is, no, is no? 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 no, no, there? They're the frankly bigger West. things... It's like it's like it's like football saying, do you know what? We know, but there are much bigger things to worry about.
3: Yeah, yeah. Like you now maybe they are. Yeah. Maybe look because you can yeah. look at the Snodgrass thing and say, well, what would have happened is he would have gone to West Brom after the West Ham game, so he wouldn't have played against West Ham anyway. No harm done. But he played against Wolves. Yeah, he played against Wolves yeah. last week. Played ninety minutes, and it's the only game that West Brom have won since Aladine yeah. was there. So Wolves could be looking at it, thinking, well, this is this is good. West Brom. Brom's team, in part, gets picked by West Ham. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Let, let's have uh, let's have happy Tony Cotty corner just for a few moments now, yes. for two reasons. Let's start with Leicester, who, yeah. frankly, deserve to get egg and rub it in everybody's face when they keep going about Man United and Man City and Liverpool and Tottenham or whatever. Why not Leicester, Tony? The way they are playing, they are so well-coached, such a well-balanced team, aren't they?
2: They are, Mark. And I think it suits them, though, because everyone's talking about Man City, how well Manchester United have done recently, Liverpool before then. There was huge fuss about Chelsea spending all the money. But Leicester have just gone about their business. They've got an incredible manager. You know, he was very unlucky with Liverpool when he could, he could have won the league that, that mm. year when Chelsea won at Anfield. So he could have easily won the league, Brendan. You know, didn't sell, goes to Celtic, has come back to Leicester, doing a great job. But they're players, they're, they're bringing players through the academy. Their recruitment has been outstanding, and as a team, they they work so hard as a team. They're a young team. Um, they've still got Ricardo to come back, who's a, the right back, who's one of the best right backs in the Premier League. He's a fantastic player, and even Soyuncu, who was outstanding last year, he can't get in now because he has got Wesley Fofana there in the defence. Mm. So you know, their biggest problem, Mark, and it's it's been the same over the last five or six years, is if they lose Jamie Vardy because they can perhaps. You know, make up in defence, make up in midfield, but they can't replace Jamie Vardy. And if they lose him, I do worry that there will, you know, their their challenge will disappear. If they keep Jamie Vardy fit, and I will say this publicly, Leicester have got as good a chance as anyone. And I include Man City in winning the league this year. That's how good they've been. Frank, what do you say
1: to that? Uh, yeah. I totally agree. Even if uh, Tony, in France is funny that because some some uh, um, some pundit, you know, commentating the game, uh, um, the Leicester game last time, said, you know, a game without a goal from Jamie Gianni- Vardy doesn't mean anything, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if Jamie Vardy doesn't score for Leicester, the goal, the, the, the game doesn't mean anything. But I don't think that Jamie Vardy is at his top right now. The last two games he was, I think he had a groin problem. Sometimes without a goal frame. Yeah. Sorry? No.
2: It's five games without a goal, Jamie. Barber. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: and they still win it, and I and uh, we talk. We'll talk. I think uh, about Madison after, but uh, I think the it's very well. The team is very well balanced, and because of Brendan Rogers and the way he thinks football, the the, the way he, he, he wants football. And uh, I was I, I've been following Fofana, the young guy who just came to to Leicester signing from uh, Saint Etienne. Yeah. The guy is if he's at home. I mean, we we talk about offers, you know, needing time to adapt to English football. How long it took for Fana to adapt to English football? Four minutes? That's what it was. You know, something like that. So, And it's because of Brendan Rodgers, but because of the club, of the players, the way you introduce somebody to others, the way you Want him to feel at home uh, because Leicester is a family club. I used to play against you and Leicester. It was a different stadium. It was a different atmosphere. but you, I always felt that it was a different club. It was a real English club with um, with rules inside, with a way of thinking football, uh, and 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 that. I think it was a a great honour to play against you and and, and this club. And and I'm not surprised. I put them in the first six uh, in the prediction this season. I never thought they would have a season like that. And they can win. They can win the title because they they can't be envious about any other club. Uh, Manchester City is maybe above them in terms of quality. But in terms of um, stamina... And and willing and will of uh, of fighting against uh, against the others Leicester is at the top right now. For me, it's a fantastic club with a fantastic coach with fantastic players right now, and they deserve to be at the top of the league.
0: So, Martin, they, the question is: Why shouldn't they win the league? I mean, they can beat anybody. They won five two at Man City this season. I was why should they? Annihilated
3: they annihilated Manchester City earlier mm. in the season. I mean, they really did. Um, and I, I've, look. They had a very disappointing night against Liverpool uh, before Christmas. They got beat 3-0. I think it was 3-0. And um, I think a lot of people then went, yeah, you know, they're they're good, they're not that good. Um, You know, Liverpool, you know, there's a difference between, you know, teams that can genuinely challenge for the title and Leicester. Since then, however, a lot of those teams around them have shown frailty. Liverpool certainly, Tottenham, you know, um, looked as if they were gonna, uh, as if they were gonna come strong, and have, have, have lost, uh, you know, drop points in important matches. Chelsea are falling uh, way down the league, and so I'm not saying Leicester can do it because the others aren't aren't good enough. But Leicester, that that was an off night. Well, everyone's having off nights. Uh, you know, Liverpool are having off nights at the moment. Tottenham uh, failed to beat Fulham at home uh, a little while ago. Um, everyone's having off nights. So at the moment, I can't remember a league title uh, race that is as open as this, where there are, you couldn't put a sheet of paper between five or six teams, and Leicester are very much in that mix. And in fact, once again, I think everyone would love to see Leicester win it. You'd just love to see Leicester win it because they're not part of the big six. You know, there's that massive carve up going on, or attempted carve up going on, with the, uh, the elite clubs of Europe, and they're talking about inviting six. Um, English clubs into it, which presumably would include Arsenal, who haven't been near winning the title for, what, 10 years? I mean, Leicester are a different class to Arsenal, but they they would be shut out of this because they're not part of the elite. So anything that stuffs the elite, I'm all in favour of. And Leicester would stuff that elite completely (laughs) by winning the league. That would be fantastic. Go on, Leicester.
0: Frank did you see the James Madison interview which we really enjoyed because it was just it was so refreshing and it was almost like it was almost like playing with your mates in the park and talking about it afterwards that's how normal it was
1: exactly I I, I, as you said I found found it very refreshing in the way that you have somebody you know just seeing the truth in front of a camera you know just seeing what we used to say you know I'm thinking Tony is, uh, is also an outspoken person, you know, who, who j- j- just said what he was was just saying what he was thinking about, you know, about football and the, the, the game he just played. I think Madison just explained that um, that in fact he feels he feels free to talk about what he wants. Uh, and again, we talk about Leicester and and the, uh, fantastic club. And uh, and what and and I love the, the end of the interview when he said, in fact, that he don't want to be boring. But they're taking games after game to, to mm-hmm. and it's maybe the the only way for them to think that they can be champion at the end of the uh, of the season. Because if they start thinking about what's going on in front of them and the schedule they still have that will have only uh, mid uh, mid season, uh, maybe they won't achieve that fantastic uh, uh, destiny. So I, I really think that uh, it was refreshing. Uh, it was very smart and uh, mm. the, the, the thing that he has to work harder to make sure that he's, he's going to be a better finisher, it's, it's everything we want to see about football. Yeah, Humility and, and character.
0: Long may that continue. So, Tony Cotty, happy corner part two. West it's Ham. Two. This is a this terrific run. What, what do you put it down to? What it, it's Obviously, David Moyes is at the centre of it all. What has he done so right that so many others before him couldn't do?
2: Well, you know the funny thing about it, Mark, they're not playing that well. West Ham aren't playing that well. They're getting results, which, as we all know, it's a professional. Once you go into the professional game, the most important thing is results. You know, if you play rubbish and win 1-0, that's better than playing fantastic and losing four, 5 four or something. So they're not playing that well. But what he's done, he's got a group of lads together. He's, he's got fantastic team spirit. Frank will know this. For any football team to do well, you have to have a good team spirit. He's managed to get all those boys together. He's been good in the transfer market. He brought Jared Bowen in, who's been a really good signing for the club. Sue Check has been a good signing. Uh, Sue Fowle has been a good signing at right-back. So in the transfer market, there's not been the interference that there has been in previous years. They've let David Moyes bring in the players that he wants in. They've done really, really well. Um, the, the biggest problem really has been centre-forward. Uh, you know, Haller, I think we was all wanting him to do well, but, you know, he just he just didn't cut it at West Ham. They, they've cut their losses. He's gone to Ajax now. And and Mikel Antonio is a top player. You've just got to keep him fit. And as I've said about Leicester with Vardy, if you keep him fit, if West Ham keep Antonio fit, there's no reason that West Ham can't dream, Mark. It's been a long, long time. Since West Ham competed in the league, perhaps back to the eighty six season that I played in. That's what 35 years ago, where you know, where they genuinely have got a chance of pushing on and going towards the top four. Now, listen, it's West Ham, Martin's a West Ham man as well. We all expect West Ham to fall away because that's what they normally mm. do. They're you know, it's just it's that type of club. But it's a big if if they keep Antonio fit, if they keep their big players fit then why, why can't West Ham push to get finished maybe fifth or fourth? Why can't they do that? Because as Martin quite rightly said, this is such an open season and nothing, and I mean, nothing would surprise you this year. Mm.
3: Go on, I mean, Martin, look, uh, West Ham. How uh, West Ham, look. Uh, I mean, it, it's, it, it's, it's fantastic. I, I totally agree with what Tony said there, that the, what they're doing is they found a way, they're finding ways to win. West Ham, you know, traditionally find ways to lose. And, um, you know, they, they're finding... He's finding ways to win. As, as, as Tony said, it's not like it's champagne football or anything like that at the moment, but it's it's very effective. They're very good from set pieces. They're a tall team. Um, and, you know, it, it's, it's not necessarily what people think about West Ham of this trying to play free-flowing football and everything, but it's getting results. And it's getting results against teams that West Ham would struggle against. I mean, they were the second best team against Aston Villa and beat Aston Villa. They they found a way of beating Burnley the other uh, the other night. They found a way to beat Fulham. Got away with one with Lukman's penalty. And um, so so it's great. And then, funnily enough, they're quite well set up against the better teams as well. Moy sets up teams to. Playing the counter-attack to absorb pressure. Og oh, Bonner's having an outstanding season. Declan Weiss looks looks magnificent in every game. I like Suchek. Uh, you know, all, all the guys that, that that Tony is talking about. And Mikel Antonio, now that he's fit again, gives them a proper outball, gives them a proper focal point in the way that, that Haller didn't really do. I mean, it was a it was a it was an um, incredible achievement to to carry on winning games with Haller up front because he didn't really show any appetite for um, Playing football, really, you know, you look miserable all the time.
0: Well, let's go from uh, happy East End to not-so-happy South West London, Frank. Frank Lampard, I don't, I don't want to say he's hanging on by his fingertips because we don't know what's going on. But we, what we do know is we look at the history books and Roman Abramovich is not a patient man and managers with the sort of record that Frank Lampard has at the moment don't last very long at Stamford Bridge. That's just a fact. Are you
1: worried for Lampard? Of course, I am because I'm really fond of Frank Lampard. He's a real legend uh, at Stamford Bridge, and uh, I wish him the best, and I want him to stay forever. Uh, but uh, he's responsible in a way for lining his team up, and that's what it is. And when he does it, and it doesn't work, of course, he's going to be responsible for the, for the results. But I've I've been talking to uh, about that uh, in, in in some media's, and I always said, you know, uh, I want to talk to the players, and Tony has been a player as well and you know that if you don't make if you don't do any effort don't want to fight for the club and for your teammates what can a manager do about that and this is what I found and it's what I I, I saw uh, the last game they played and uh, where they lost uh, against Leicester it's in a way in in one side Leicester all together fighting you know with a real spirit and in in the other side 11 individuals in individualities who just think about, I don't know, uh, not getting too dirty to make sure that the shower won't stand, stand long. That's the thing. And I didn't like the way they, they, they played. I didn't like the way they behaved. Because you can be bad, but at least work. The first goal they score is a short corner for Leicester. They play at two. And, and Polisic is looking backwards to to see if he can see somebody helping him out. And he sees Odson who doesn't move should be it should be natural it should be an automatic concern for anybody closest the closer to uh to policies, to come and to help him out. nobody moves they play at two and at the end of go- at the end of the day it's a it's it's a goal the second goal it's um uh, risk uh, well in a way sleeping not being concerned about covering and uh, not feeling what what's going on behind him or in front of him that's the thing and when you are in that thats um uh, situation. Uh, who, is, who is responsible for it? Frank, Frank Lampard, and we got that like experience, but uh, but also the players. So I don't know what's going to happen to Frank. I don't know what Abramovich is going to decide. Uh, I really want Frank to stay, but something has to change in the dressing room. That's for sure. The mentality, yeah. I
0: guess. It's because Tony, it's hard to see a progression under Frank Lampard, isn't it? To be absolutely blunt.
2: Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, I think Frank's biggest problem, in my opinion, Mark, is I don't think he knows his best team. You know, I, I think Chelsea have gone into the transfer market. They had a lot of money because they sold Hazard. They had a lot of money to spend and they bought a lot of players in. But, you know, I, I look at the Chelsea team and there's probably about four players that want to play in the number 10 role. And you don't need four players at a football club that want to play in a number 10. You can have two players, yeah, of course, so they, they play against each other. But you can't have – you've got uh, Ziyech, you've got Mason Mount, you, you've got Pulisic. You know, all these players want to play in that number 10 position. And and um, I don't think Frank knows his best team. Uh, that doesn't help. But I think what, what – there's a couple of things. I think he – what Frank does need, he needs help and support. He's a young manager. He's going through different experiences. He needs help and he needs support as well. So I really, really hope that everyone at Chelsea gets around the manager, including the owner, and just say to him, look, it's fine, Frank. Carry on doing what you're not carry on doing what you're doing, but, you know, just help him to get through a really difficult period. And the second thing he needs to do, he needs to pick a team where he trusts the players and he needs to pick a formation as well because he's trying to play. I think it's like a 4 three, three. Maybe he needs to go four-two-three-one. Pick Pick the team with the best players in the best positions and say, right, this team's going to play for three or four games, get the results. Because when the other top teams play, you know, against the, the, the top teams like the Liverpools, Manchester United, and Man Citys, they, you know their best team. If everyone's fit, you know their best team. I haven't got a clue what this best Chelsea team is. Not a clue. So Frank needs to go back to basics. And I really hope they help him. He's an ex-teammate of mine. He's a great lad. He's a young manager. He needs help and he needs support.
1: If can go back to the discussion, I think the main concern about Chelsea is the prime in the middle of the park. You know, where, where Kante is uh, he, injured and, uh, or, or ended uh, the last game, but uh, he's not as the best as he used to be uh, from the past years. Um, but And you have Jorginho and Kovacic. <laughs> the impact that you need in the middle of the park is not there. And uh, it's been a problem for me um, seeing Chelsea not uh, winning fighter in the middle of the park, which is essential if you want to win a game. And compared to other teams, where Liverpool you have End- Anderson, Manchester City you have Dre, um, uh, and you can have Fabinho uh, also at uh, Liverpool, but big clubs, they have big um, uh, midfield players. Rice from West Ham, and you're going to help me out for Leicester, I'm sure you can it's find somebody indeed. in the middle we of the park. Fantastic. Fantastic. indeed, exactly. That's the key. Uh, Casimiro for Real Madrid at the time. Alan for Naples, you know. There's always somebody in the middle of the park. You see now, Fred is coming back to his best for Manchester United. If it's not mm. Fred, it's McTominay. And that's the key for a successful club. You don't have that at Chelsea. That's for sure.
3: Mm. Mm. No, they're not the same team without Kante. They're, they're just not the same team without Kante. And I, Kante I, I, are I'm... the best. Kante at his best, yeah. Um, I mean, that is, you know, he is as important to that team as any individual is to any team in the Premier League. Um, and they're a different team when you've got Kante shielding that uh, back four and then restarting the play. Um, he's, just, he's an outstanding player. And, um, and that's a big problem for him. That is a big problem for them Because Giorgino doesn't do that job. You know, you can put him in there, but he's. he's,
1: Now, with the ball, he's okay. Without, he's not.
0: Yeah. Let's finish. We've got two topics to finish with. We'll finish with Ronaldo and his ridiculous goal scoring record. Before that, FA Cup fourth round weekend, Martin, Manchester United, Liverpool again. The question really is, how big is this for Liverpool this weekend with everything that's going on? Because we often say, don't we, when you're in bad form, a win's a win. Just get a win somewhere. Get Mm. something to cling on to. So how big is this for Liverpool going to Old Trafford on Sunday? I
3: think it's a much more significant game um, in the present circumstances than it it would perhaps have been. We all know where the FA Cup sits in Liverpool's list of priorities. Um, and I don't think that has changed. Uh, you know, I still think that's the, you know, that's the third trophy, but they've got to start winning. They've got to start scoring. They've got to start winning. They've got to look like Klopp's Liverpool again. Um, and you know, they're not going to, there is no benefit at all to Liverpool in not picking their strongest team, for instance. Which they might not have done in, um, you know, in, in different circumstances, they might not have picked their strongest team uh, this week. But really, they need the win. They need to change this narrative. Um, and if it if it's a cup game that changes it, well then, so be it. If it's a win away at Old Trafford, um, that takes a lot of the heat off.
0: Yeah, it feels that way, doesn't it, Tony? I mean, remember last season before last, they played at Wolves on a Friday or a Monday third round, picked a bit of a scratch team, went out and weren't fussed. They were going for the league and the Champions League. They won the Champions League. This feels different, doesn't it? Exactly as Martin said, get a win at Old Trafford could just give them the bounce they need.
2: It does. It just depends how much Klopp wants to prioritise, though, doesn't it? With the FA Cup, you know, I, listen, I believe that the FA Cup's a great competition. I think you should try and win every football match and you should pick your, your best team. He should do that because they're playing Manchester United at Old Trafford. But the way Liverpool plan playing at the moment, I, I just can't see it. I, I can't see whatever team he puts out, I can't see them beating um, Manchester United. And he uh, said, you know, once you lose and you get then get knocked out of the FA Cup, which could happen, then there's even more pressure on Klopp to do well you when know, the Premier League and the Champions League come in, etc. But, you know, it's going to be under big pressure because the fans watching it will not put up with losing to, to Manchester United, especially if it's a heavy defeat. Yeah. So it's a big game for Liverpool.
1: Frank, proud winner of an FA Cup yourself, would you say? Well, it's uh, again, it's um, the priority that club's going to give to that uh, to, the, to that competition. If you put the B team or a C team, you know, and they lose, it's going to say, "Well, it's the B team or the C team." And uh, would it be clever to put a A team and lose and, and put uh, yourself in, in 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 danger for the future of uh, of yourself as a coach? So I don't know what's. Gonna happen going to happen you know if he likes the challenge he thinks that the FA Cup is a priority he's going to go with the A team and they have to win that's for sure they have to win otherwise he's going to be judged and badly judged mm.
0: let's finish from Ronaldo then let's try and pretend that the Czech FA don't exist just for a moment Cristiano Ronaldo 760 career goals the leading scorer of all time whatever the Czechs are saying Tony what do you say what else is there to say about Cristiano <laughs> Ronaldo
2: Listen, I, I've been very privileged in my life growing up as a as a youngster following football. Um, uh, you know, Pele was just a little bit before me. In, in my era, Diego Maradona was, was a fantastic footballer. Johan Cruyff, some wonderful, wonderful players. But in the current era, for me, Ronaldo is the best. And I know everyone says, what about Messi and that? I, I, you know, I understand the comparisons and everything, but I think that Cristiano does everything. He can do everything as a footballer. I I don't think Messi is quite as good doing everything. I think he he just ticks all the boxes. The amount of goals is is phenomenal. You know, he, he, he scored two and a half times the goals I scored, it is, it, you can't get your head around it because you're thinking, well, how can you, how's it possible? How can you score that amount of goals? It's incredible. He's been absolutely fantastic, you know, and it, uh, with his body and how he looks after himself, you can see him playing for two or three years more. And the one thing I like about him is he's, he's challenged himself. He's played in the Premier League. You know, he's played in the La Liga. He's now playing in Syria and he does it on a worldwide stage he does it in the champion he he, he does it for in every circumstances he's, he's an incredible foot. i love watching him play he's my he's my favorite player at the moment
0: his mental application is as good as anything else frank isn't it the way mentally he is so strong to do it season after season after season
1: That's exactly what it is mark you're right you know i mean uh, i was more messy guy let's say at, the, at first you know where, where i found ronaldo arrogant arrogant in a way and uh, but but I changed my mind I changed my mind and I'm now I, I'm a more Ronaldo guy because I think Messi is a gifted person who didn't change his game where Ronaldo around 30 was smart enough to say okay I don't have the, the 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 physique that I used to have you know the fitness that I used to have I can't maybe accelerate and take some players on easily that I used to uh, 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 comparing to uh, what I used to do now I'm going to be more focused on scoring goals being more centered and everything and he did well he did really really well and uh, you just have to say well done hat off my friend you know because you you do uh, exactly what we expect from you to do and he's 35 you know Apart a part of Ibrahimovic, who can compare you know, his 40 and his fitness uh, and, and a, a personality that I love, because I mean, I, I think you have to take everything in second degrees or third degrees with him. But, but Ronaldo is an exception to our world. Uh, we, can, we cannot feel that, uh, as Tony said it very well, we can feel that he can still play like two, three years at the same level. It's not that he's going to drop. He's going to play at the same level and keep on scoring. Goal. So, fantastic player, f- fantastic person, I think, yes, it is.
0: it is. Martin, you and I have been lucky enough to sit in the press mm-hmm. seats and watch Ronaldo and Messi. And, and as Tony says, whichever one you prefer is up to you, we can argue about it in the pubs when we're allowed back into the pubs. But Ronaldo's record is just eye-wateringly astonishing, isn't it? Mm,
3: yeah, I mean, it, it's, uh, I've, always, I've always said that um, after he left Manchester United, uh, they lost a title on goal difference um to Manchester City. And you know, I said if Ronaldo had been there, they wouldn't have lost a title on goal difference. No team that Ronaldo ever plays for will ever lose a title I think on goal difference. Um it, it, he's, he's incredible. I've watched him play at Atletico Madrid in the uh, in the U, in the Champions League when he won the game in he won the game in one half. It was a two-leg match and it was over after the first 45 minutes because of Ronaldo. Um and he's he's exceptional. He's such a brave player as well. I mean, one of my favourite headed goals I've ever seen is Ronaldo away to Roma with Manchester United, where he charges at this ball, and he could get his face smashed, and he could get all his teeth knocked out, and he gets there. It goes in. It goes in at hundred mile an hour. It's a wonderful goal. And he's, he's, he's that kind of player. You can see why. Managers love him. You can see why, why teammates... Always fine with the, with the greatest players. Invariably, their teammates will love them as well because they can see the work that they're, they're putting in. You don't get too many teammates whine about Cristiano Ronaldo. Gareth Bale, Bale's agent used to, but um, you don't get too many uh, teammates who actually whine about Ronaldo because they can see that everything he does Will benefit the team Benefits him as well But it benefits the team In the end You know You've got a guy That defines matches The way that he does That benefits the team You're going to win An awful lot of trophies With this guy in your team
0: Long long may he And Messi And all of them continue yeah. And that's it from Game On We'll be back next week And every week via Spotify Apple and Google Don't forget to sign up To your daily briefing From mailplus.co.uk That's it from me Mark Pugac See you next week for more Game On!